Well, good morning, everyone. Are you all well? Good, good. Or not so well. Um, I've been asked to continue our series this morning on, um, on money. And um, I'm going to speak this morning on what money cannot buy. So it's what money cannot buy. And um, I was doing a, a search uh, on, the, on the internet, and uh, when you type in what money cannot buy, there's some key words that come up. It's interesting that uh, the key words really um, link to what, you know, what we believe as Christians. Um, words like real love, uh, truth, time, inner peace, manners, respect, purpose, and true friends. And uh, they're really values that we hold high uh, in our own lives as Christians, uh, and we, we encourage them in our children as well, don't we? As we uh, and the, the generations to come as well. So I want us to turn, I don't know if yours is echoing a bit, mine's echoing a little bit here, I can hear it uh, twice. Um, if you can turn with me to Revelation and uh, chapter 21 and verses 6 and 7, thanks. And um, this is my key verse for this morning really. And uh, he said to me, it is done. I am Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all things, or all of this. I will be their God, and they will be my children. Now, Isaiah, he, he speaks something very similar, doesn't he, in chapter 55 and verses 1 and 2, when he says this. And there's this great invitation to the thirsty to come. He says this, he says, come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, come buy and eat. It's great, isn't it? Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. He goes on to say, why spend money on what is not bread? And your labor on what does not satisfy. And we've heard this this morning from Amory here. Listen, and he says it again, listen to me, eat what is good. And if we could just take that home with us this morning, it'd be enough. God says twice, listen, eat what is good. And you will delight in the riches of fear. 
That's interesting when Jesus, he, he, he was waiting for this woman, wasn't he, the, in, in Samaria, from one of the villages of Samaria. He sat by that well in John chapter 4. And he's waiting for this woman to come to her. And when she came, uh, he said to her, give me to drink. And she went into this dialogue about you've got nothing to draw with. And Jesus turned the conversation around, really, and he said, if you knew who it was asking you for a drink, you would have asked of me, and I would have given you living waters. And um, Jesus, he, he was passionate about this, and uh, during the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7, he stood up and he he had to shout with a loud voice because he wanted the crowds to hear this. He wanted everybody who possibly could to hear this. And I'm going to speak with a loud voice, so cover your ears if it's a bit. He said this, Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. And it was this great invitation. And we've heard it again this morning, Pete. He, he brought it to us about coming, taking. And the cry is still out there. God is still standing and saying, come, come to me and drink. Turn back with me, please, to Revelation and chapter 22 and verse 12. <clears throat> It's quiet in here, as Dave said last week. (laughs) Um, Jesus said this, he said, look, look, here it is again, look, I am coming soon, I am coming soon. And he said, my reward is with me, and I will give each person according to what they have done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. You know, they say that um, over 80% of prophecy now has been fulfilled in the Bible. That's what some scholars say. And there's still this less than 20% as we come into these end days that are yet to be fulfilled. And here's one of them. He's not come yet, but can I just assure you he's coming. As sure as I'm standing here now, Jesus is coming soon. He's coming. Whether we want to uh, agree with my statement or not, he's still coming. You know, this time he's coming. He's coming in the clouds. Every eye shall see him. Every knee shall bow to him. He's coming again as the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. He's coming. And um, turn over with me into um, verse 17 there. We see this agreement on earth in verse 17 of chapter 22. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes 
Take the free gift of the water of life. You know, it's interesting that um, the spirit and the bride, they're in agreement with this voice from heaven. As Jesus says, by his spirit, I'm coming. And the spirit and the bride are saying, come. And it's a dual, I believe it's a dual invitation. This one is, it's the church, it's the spirit-filled bride. Now in the New Testament, the bride is his church. It's his church. And you know, his church is not in particular this building, it's his people. So it's those people that have been filled by his spirit. The Greek word here is ecclesia, which means called out. And we, what have been been called out of? We've been called out of uh, this world, really. We're in the world, but not of it. And he's called us out for a purpose, and his purpose is that we should be like him. We should be like him. And this spirit-filled bride, this church, is crying, come. It's, it's crying that out into the community, into the nation and nations. It's, it's crying out, come. Come to the one who can satisfy your thirst and your longing. And it's also crying out to Jesus and saying, come. And you know, as the days are ending, as when Jesus is returning, we'll hear this message more and more. It'll get louder and louder because the bride, his church, will be saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. It'll be, it'll be an echo in our hearts as we usher in the new heaven and the new earth. I got a text from um, Paul, Paul Vivian, my dear friend Paul, yesterday. And uh, I don't know, Paul, I don't know if you knew I was speaking on this, but it's very relevant to what I was speaking on. And it's, um, it's a text from John Piper. And Paul sent me this text. It says this, God is a mountain spring, not a watering trough. A mountain spring is self-replenishing. It constantly overflows and supplies. A watering trough needs to be filled with a pump or a bucket brigade. And this is it, really. That is the way to please God, is to come to him to get and not to give, to drink and not to water. And Paul said me this as well, I can only offer my thirst. And if I have no thirst, then I must ask him to give me that thirst, knowing that God is a rewarder of those who seek him. In fact, scripture says that those that come to him must first believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. And I'm just wondering this morning, is there anyone here who thirsts for more of God? You know, is there anyone who thirsts for the, more of this free gift of the waters of life this morning? Well, I'm, 
I'm speaking to the right people this morning. Because if we don't have this thirst, then we can ask God and he'll give us this thirst. And you know, I came to a place in my life when I, became, when I was a Christian for many years that I'd lost really my thirst for God. Lord, where's it gone to? Where are you? I thirst no more for the things of God. And yet I find now, as I've been asking him, he's given me a fresh desire, a fresh thirst. I hunger and I thirst for the things of God again. It's a passion within me now. It's not come from me, it's come from when I've asked God, God, I feel empty. Here I am, Lord, empty-handed but alive in your hands. A brand, as we've heard, plucked out from the fire. And yet from this fire, God resurrects his life within us again. He's the God of second, third and fourth chance. You might feel that parts of your life have finished. How can anything good come of this now? Watch God, my friend, work a miracle in your life. Watch him. Believe it. He that comes to God must first believe that he is. He is. Lord, I believe that nothing is impossible with you. It's I believe, Lord, but I'm coming as a little child. I don't understand, but I get down on my knees. And I believe that as I seek you, that you are the, a God that rewards, resurrects, and brings to life again that which was dead. You see, money cannot buy this gift, what I'm talking about this morning. It can't. You know, God has already paid the full price of this gift when he gave his one and only son. We can't add to it, we can't take away from it. It's been done. That's why Jesus said, it is finished. Lord, let me align my will with your finished work. Let me align my will. Let me come to that place of agreeing with you, it's finished. You know, this religious man called Nicodemus, he came to Jesus and he came to him by, at night. Uh, maybe it's because he didn't want his fellow religious leaders to see that he was coming to Jesus. Pride. You know, pride's a massive thing. It keeps us from the things of God. Lord, it keeps us from the things of God. But this man was willing to lay those things aside and come to Jesus. And he said to Jesus, he said, he must have been watching him. He said, no man can do these miracles that you're doing, Jesus, except God be with him. He was a religious ruler, a leader, a Pharisee. And Jesus, he looks at him and he says this to him. He says, Jesus tells him that you cannot enter the kingdom of God. You cannot see it, Nicodemus, unless you're born of the water and of the spirit. What do you mean, Lord, said Nicodemus? How can I be born again of my mother's womb? Impossible. And Jesus looks at him again and says, Nicodemus, you're thinking as a natural man thinks. He didn't say that, but I'm putting this in if I hope that's okay. He said this, he said, 
You must be born from above. You must be. You know, there's not many musts in the Bible, but here's one of them. And that's why, as Anne-Marie said this morning, listen and listen again to what I'm saying here. It's very important. It's your mine and your way into eternal life, this. You must be born again. There's no other way. No other way. There's only one entrance. Jesus said that he was the door. He said that he was the way, the truth, and the life. But he said this, you must be born again. You must be born from above. And he began to explain to Nicodemus about why he was to be crucified, the reason for the cross, and that in his sacrifice, the life gates of heaven would be opened for anyone who would come. You know, friend, here it is really, what I'm saying to you this morning. You know, the the blood of Jesus, it's the only currency of heaven that has the power to save us and to bring us into relationship with Father of God. There's life in the blood. There's life in the blood. You know, I remember when I was born again. I do. And really, for some it's like that, and you know you ride in for others. It's, it's a process. But you know that you know that you know that it's happened. You know, to be born again means that we've been filled with his spirit. We've been translated from the power of darkness into the power of light. There's a radical change that happens. You know, you, know, you can't say, well, I, I don't really know. You can't say that. You can't. It's something that happens. We know that God, in his mercy, has brought us from one kingdom into another. We know that the Spirit of God has come into our hearts and in here. And we know that something radically different has changed. You know, for me, it was a bit of a journey. Um, It was a process for me, really. And, um, you know, for me, I just wanted to know initially whether God was real. God, are you real? You know, I didn't want to tag myself to some religion or go to church because it was a good thing, hoping that made me a good person. I didn't want to waste my life just worshipping some religious God. I wanted to know if God was real. And I remember God impressing on my heart as I began to seek him. That scripture which says, seek first the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things shall be added to you. And that was impressed on my heart. I thought, what does that actually mean? I think it means that if I put all things aside and seek him, then all the other stuff in life which I've been chasing, which I've been trying to purchase with money, will will come. And I believed it on that basis. And I remember... For me, my first prayer really was, God, if you're real, if you're real, God, then you're going to have to provide for me and June to get married because we'd just come back from Greece. We'd been backpacking for a number of months. We was living in a one-bedroom flat on Grimsby Road. We was not married. 
We were living together. We was seeking God. God had done a great thing in June's heart and life on, a, on a, an island called Samos in Greece. It was beginning to work in me. And, I said, and I, the first thing that God impressed on my heart was about marriage. About when I began to seek him. Because he's a holy God, isn't he? And I knew that those things in my life, he was asking me to put right in my life. What are you saying, Mike? It's not right to live together. I'm saying before God, God honors marriage. Marriage between a man and a woman. He honors it. He's passionate about it. You know, if your marriage is going through some difficulties or you found some things that's not quite working, just believe God for better. He's passionate about your marriage. You know, as we go into old age, it's not supposed to diminish. It's not. I'm not having that at all. You know, I'm believing that the best is yet to come. You know, God would not let our marriages just go down, would he, in our relationships with one another, when all our quirks go down. He's passionate about our marriage. God, if you're real, you know, we was on our knees at that time. We, I remember being in bed for a week, you know, and not being able to afford some medicine. That's what that situation we was at. God, if you're real, you're going to have to provide some money so that I can get married. That was my first real prayer, testing of God. I don't know if it was the next day or the day after. A friend I've not seen for quite a while came knocking on my door. You know, Mike, there's a, there's a job at our place if you want it. Amazing, really, how God provided for me to work so that six months later, June and I could get married. You know, in Luke chapter 5, Jesus borrowed Peter's boat, didn't he? And then he said to Peter, Peter, you know, I know you've been, he didn't say this, but, you know, if you cast your net on the right side, thanks for letting me borrow your boat. He didn't actually say that, but that's what he meant. You know, thanks for letting me borrow your boat. You know, if you're casting it on the right side, you're going to find a load of fish. And Peter said, we've been fishing all night. We caught nothing. But at your word, Lord, I'll do it. And he went out in his boat, put his nets over, and his nets were breaking. <laughs> his nets were breaking. <coughs> he had to call his business partners in. What I'm saying here is if we give to God that which we have, he'll tell us where to fish, metaphorically. He'll bless us. He'll bless us beyond measure, really. You know, Bill Winston said this. He said, one, one day in God's favor is worth a lifetime of labor. One day. You know, last year, I, um, uh, last year, I, I, um, I brought a word to the church back in the beginning of 18, I think it was, and it was about the favor of God being on this church, you know, and uh, I thought, Lord, that's, you know, that's, that's fabulous to, to feel that impressed on your heart, that the favor of God's on this church for a year, and I said at the beginning of this year, I said, God, is it a year of favor again? 
is it a year of favor again? And he said to, he said to me this, he said, um, he said, no, Mike, my favor is on you for the rest of your life. <laughs> How about that then? How about that? And I thought, well, surely that's not scriptural. And um, Psalm 30, verse 5, his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. You know, who wouldn't want this? You know, we are a privileged people. We're favored of the Lord. You know, the currency of heaven is higher than the currency of this world. When we're born again of his spirit, he brings us into a higher place. Could I ask the music group to come back, please, if that's okay? Beat me to it, Pete. And, um, you know, what is wonderful here is that, you know, we, God has called us into this favor, this higher currency. Psalm 24 and verse 1 says this, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all, and all that live in it. Psalm 50 and verse 10 says this, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. You know, every spirit-filled believer is a partaker of this royal inheritance. And in our, in our response this morning, and I am going to ask if the prayer team can come, in our response this morning, maybe you want to be sealed and filled with the Spirit this morning. Maybe that's your response. Maybe you feel a little bit distant from God's favor and you need to come right into it. Or you need to get hold of this truth about royal inheritance. Or maybe you just need to ask God for a fresh thirst this morning. Whatever it is, you can come because the invitation here is to come. And I'm going to leave you this with this. Psalm 103 verses 2 to 5 says this. Praise the Lord my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like eagles. Anybody want any of this this morning? Anybody up for this this morning? Anybody want their youth renewed like eagles this morning well let's move in then let's come as the invitation's been here right from the beginning let's come to him who can give water without money and without price